Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 648. I held her eyes for a moment, then sighed and dropped my gaze to my lute. I'm sorry about the song. I didn't mean to offend you. It was more lovely than the setting sun, she protested, sounding close to tears. But nice? The word seemed bitter to her. I set my lute back into its case. I'm sorry, I I can't fix it without some basis for comparison. I sighed. (sighs) Pity. It was a good song. They would have sung it for a thousand years. My voice was thick with regret. Valerian's expression brightened as if with an idea. Then her eyes narrowed into slits. She looked at me as if she were trying to read something written on the inside of my skull. She knew. She knew I was holding the unfinished song as ransom. The unspoken messages were clear. Unless I leave, I can never finish the song. Unless I leave, no one will ever hear these beautiful words I have made for you. Unless I leave and taste the fruits mortal women have to offer, I'll never know how skilled you truly are. There, amid the cushions, under the eternal twilight sky, Valerian and I stared at each other. She held the butterfly, and my hand rested on the smooth wood of my lute. Two armored knights eyeing each other across a bloody field, could not have matched the intensity of our stare. Valerian spoke slowly, gauging my response. If you go, will you finish it? I tried to look surprised, but I wasn't fooling her. I nodded. Will you come back to me and sing it? My surprise became genuine. I hadn't considered her asking for that. I knew there would be no leaving the second time. I hesitated, but only for a barest moment. Half a loaf is better than none. I nodded. Promise? I nodded again. Promise with kisses? She closed her eyes and tilted her head back, like a flower basking in the sun. Life is too short to refuse offers like that. I moved toward her, drew her naked body toward my own, and kissed her as well as my limited practice would allow. It seemed to be good enough. As I pulled away, she looked up at me and sighed. Your kisses are like snowflakes on my lips. She lay back on the cushions, head resting on her arm. Her free hand brushed my cheek. To say she was lovely is such an understatement I cannot begin to repair it. I realized that over the last several minutes, she hadn't been trying to make me desire her, at least not in any supernatural sense. She brushed her lips lightly over the palm of my hand and released it. Then she lay still, watching me intently. I was flattered. To this day, I know of only one answer to a question so politely phrased. I bent to kiss her, and laughing, she took me in her arms. That's the page and the chapter. I'm Jeremy. I'm Drea. I'm Nick, and this really lays it out for me that she was not fooled, she's never fooled, but her need for the song is greater than her, uh, you know, her, her, I don't know, need to be right or whatever. Like, I, I had kind of forgotten that this passage was in it, that, you know, it goes explicitly, she knew, she knew I was holding the unfinished song as ransom, uh, but because she is an elemental and and a creature of it and desire. She wants that song out in the world more than she wants to keep Quoth close at hand. Mm -hmm. And more than, more than she's like mad that he wrote singing a bad song about her because she knows that he can do better. Yeah. And like tricking her. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I like that more. That makes her feel like she has, like she's not just like a dumb bimbo who can be tricked by something mm-hmm. so obvious that she has, you know, that, and it's like also a measure of respect. It makes it a decision that she's making with full knowledge of what's going on. And it makes it a battle of wills between two willful characters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like those two paragraphs are very like, you know, and they're described in the terms of like, kind of like a samurai showdown, you know, or like they're, they're like, it's, you're We're trying to find out like whose will is stronger in this situation. Who's, you know, whose cleverness is going to win out here. Which way is it going to go? And there's a tension there that is palpable and enjoyable. Yes. I don't know. Again, like this is the kind of thing that makes Quoth a compelling character because he's clever, but he's not so clever that he's out of danger, right? Because first of all, he doesn't know if she's going to go for it, right? She might decide, eh, it's not that important to me and just like, you know, keep him here and sex him to death. And he doesn't expect her to make the second part of the deal. Like you have to come back and sing me the song when it's finished. And he goes for that because he basically has no other option, right? It's either this or nothing. Uh, So I have to take this deal. And, you know, maybe he can break that deal later. Maybe he can figure out a way out of it. But in that moment, she kind of has him over a barrel and not in like the fun way. This chapter ends with her not using her magic to make her make him desire her explicitly, or at least not for the last few minutes. I don't think she does it again. And then in the end, she also wordlessly, but pretty explicitly uh, asks him if he wants to have sex, like it, it changes from uh, her forcibly commanding him to, uh, to make love to her. But uh, it is a, as quote says, a question so politely phrased. And I think this signifies that respect that I talked about and sort of the new basis for their relationship that now they are, I guess they're dating uh, because it's now explicit like throughout the entire process and, and they hang out for another 50 pages or so. It's now known that he will leave. At the very least, they're friends with benefits. Yeah, and so it's not like he's a prisoner throughout the entire time. Almost immediately, they set the boundaries and it's understood that he's there of his own free will, which is interesting and different, I think, for Florian certainly. And it's also like I had forgotten this. In my mind, he was a prisoner throughout pretty much the entire process of being with Florian when actually he's only a prisoner for the first 10 pages or so for the first couple chapters until they set up this deal. And after this, he's uh, basically free to go whenever he wants. The rest of the time here is here because he he wants to be here and he does, he has a couple adventures in the Fae and learns a bit about the Chandranoids. Um, It's good and cool. And this, you know, thinking of it this way also like gives me a, a, a brighter view of Felurian. I, you know, I think I have said many times and, you know, I got this from Penny Arcade, this glib one-liner about it, but it's not totally off base to say that he leaves Faye with explicit instructions to have sex with all the women in the world. And uh, that's not totally true. He just, uh, she wants him to go finish the song. It's really about the song more so than it is about finding a basis for comparison the basis for comparison is just the like the convenient excuse 
that he conjures for not finishing the song, but it's both understood by both of them that he's holding the song for ransom and that he could finish it any time, but that's what is, that's his ticket to escaping. So this also makes me feel a little bit better about the deal that they strike. Yeah. I mean, I do think that you're, you're spot on that by the end of this chapter, she, their relationship has, has changed. And now she views him as somebody worthy of her respect to treat like a peer or at least as close as she can imagine to having a peer versus a, a tiresome mortal plaything who is, who she just kind of wants to figure out what's going on and then finish him. And I think that the two things that make her reappraise him are his, his affinity for naming and the fact that he could like kind of uh, best her in that way. And then this kind of demonstration of his cleverness in that he kind of like lawyers her into, you know, he outfoxes her. He presents her with uh, an offer that she can't really refuse. Uh, and I think she finds that interesting. And that also feels like a kind of a very fairy tale solution, you know, especially in like older stories about fairies, they are governed by their own weird laws and rules that you, in order, if you want to escape from the Fey realm or you want to get one over on them, you have to use their rules against them or you have to understand those rules. And I think that's kind of what Quoth has done here. He's like figured out what she wants more than she wants to sex him to death uh, and then presented her with that. Uh, and I think that's what kind of earns him, her respect in that way. Jordana, how can we earn your respect? Uh, you can earn my respect by listening to me as I tell you about this uh, chapter's title, which was The Lay of Florian. And that's because the chapter is all about the song that, Quoth writes for Valerian, which is called the Lay of Valerian, and might maybe be also a dirty pun. I feel confident in saying that it's also meant to be a, an innuendo. <laughs> I see what you did there. You're welcome. We have a brief letter today from Valentina of the Sea, who writes on a response to going through some stuff. Hey, pagers. I just want to tell you, you guys... I just want to tell you guys that I really enjoy the style of your podcast. Your unprofessionalism only makes it more engaging for me. The only thing that would improve the podcast would be Jordana doing more accents. So, listener request, Jordana, please do more accents. Other than that, I would like to add a little note about the whole did Kvothe summon lightning or not debacle. I submit to you, why would Pat describe it as a shower of lightning as well as a pillar of flame? or something to that effect. It really sounds to me like all of Telu's angels coming for the Chandrian's ass. Regards, Val of the Sea. Well, Val, it's so nice to hear from you. I feel like we haven't uh, gotten a letter from you in a while, and I wish to uh, firmly, for whatever it's worth, uh, second your motion, Jordana should do more funny voices. Whatever. (laughs) Guess we haven't earned Jordana's respect quite yet. I don't... How am I supposed to do that? I can't just magic an accent. It doesn't work that way. I mean, Jeremy and I do that every time. It's uh, and we, you know, yeah, we often you're also miss. like trained actor men. Uh, now, 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 judge, now, judge. I submit to you that okay, wait, uh, I might we be are able all to do that one. country lawyers um, on this podcast. Thank you, counselor. Thank you. Now, I'd like to hear uh, your opponent's response. Now, uh, counselor, please uh, step up to the podium and tell us your opinion. Okay, I just realized the problem with me trying to do accents is I don't know what to say. <laughs> Come now, just open your mouth and speak from the heart. Uh, 
Well, now I am a simple country lawyer as as well. <laughs> How's that? How was that? Did I do good? <laughs> That's a great start. That's a great start. We're gonna we're gonna keep this bit going. I can do I can do an Irish accent because that's like like I like I've I, like I'm I am descended from like that kind of area, so I can do like oh tilly heap potatoes, like I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to get us bombed by the provisional IRA, Jordan. Yes, I think what Perry was going to say is that the magic trick is that you you have a little phrase, much like deedly deep potatoes, which you did there. You you have a little phrase that you can say, which will help you drop into that accent. That's correct. But what I was actually going to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but I think a lot of my funny voices come from like a fictional character who I am like doing an impression of. And then it kind of evolves from there. Like my simple country lawyer is just a combination of like Foghorn Leghorn and the hyperspace chicken from Futurama. And I'm pretty sure they themselves are are doing references to some character that is probably before our time that's how all the greats do it yeah yeah i believe billy west has gone on record saying that his nixon is a combination of uh, walter matthau and a werewolf yeah that's why he says that's right. <laughs> i can i can laugh like jimmy carr does that count let's hear it only if i know who jimmy carr is it's uh he's like a comedian from britain but he goes ha 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 <laughs> When he laughs, it's very entertaining. He has the best laugh. That sounds like one of like the the snap, crackle, and pop elves like coming. <laughs> you know what? You're not. That- <laughs> oh, she's gone. Yeah, we, J- she Jordana presses too would, hard, and she yeah. like dropped out. No, the provisional IRA got her. <laughs> Car bomb going off in downtown Toronto. Uh. Oh Lord. Sad, but well, listeners, we will pick up the pieces of Jordana's shattered life. Oh, she's back, Jordana. Are you? Did the IRA get you, or are you? Uh, are you all right? Uh, I just, it, I don't know. My internet just died, but I, I guess everything's fine. I hope everything's fine. Let's hope that the uh, we incur no other uh, enemy, terrorist enemies on uh, tomorrow's page. Uh, the wind. wind.